Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We're heading off to Australia and New Zealand, where we will be appearing live and recording an episode in Christchurch on the 11th of May, Auckland on the 14th of May, Wellington on the 15th of May, Adelaide on the 18th of May, Perth on the 20th, Sydney on the 23rd, Melbourne on the 25th, Brisbane on the 27th, and finally Canberra on the 28th of May. So get in and get your tickets now. They are going very fast. Please go to guiltyfeminist.com and just click on live shows for any of these events. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I'm a feminist, but... Hello, Christchurch, we're back! Some dark days of lockdown, we didn't think we would be. But we're back, and I'm a feminist, but... I have to admit to you, we are playing three venues in New Zealand, each one named after a white man. The James Hay, the Bruce Mason, and the Michael Fowler. <laughs> Do you have any venues that aren't named after white men? Because I'm struggling. No. There's one, there's another one here that we played last time, but it was named after someone called Isaac. Are you, what are you saying? Nio Marsh. They're saying Nio Marsh, and it's a good point, and I should have brought it up. There's a theater. <laughs> They're at the Christchurch University that's yet. called Naomash. You haven't heard anything, audience. You've I'm given away the surprise. The voice of your conscience. 
too many cricket here. I'm a feminist, but... <laughs> this morning, when I updated my parents on what I was doing, and my mother replied, gosh, you're so busy, I wonder if your son even remembers he still has a mother. Instead of immediately becoming upset by that, I thought, that'll be good for the show. Uh, did you think that through the tears and the pain? Or no, did I did. I was just like, oh, good one, Barbie. That got right in the heart. That was all. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it builds character in children. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always nice when he does recognise me straight away. <laughs> Is that why you have such distinct hair? I am always surprised when people recognise me. Like, I, like I've been feeling nice and anonymous under a mask and everyone's like, oh, Cal. I'm like, how do they know? If you're listening internationally you don't know what Cal Wilson looks like, uh, Google, Google. You don't look like a Muppet. You look like a very glamorous woman. And look at those trousers that are also a skirt. These trousers are my I have a message for the king pants. <laughs> I sat in the dressing room opposite Cal and I just went, I'm so jealous of your pants. And then I realised uh, Grace was there and she's from Britain and I just went, I just code switched there. I meant I'm jealous of your trousers because I'd like a pair, not I'm jealous of your underwear because I want to be as close to you as it is. <laughs> Aware that that is very much how it had sounded. I'm jealous of your pants, Cal. She's always flirting like this, I can't stand it. <laughs> Self-flagellation? Is yeah, that feminist? Yeah, yeah, with like feminist black spikes. <laughs> I think you're confusing feminism with a convent. <laughs> I mean, if listen, it sounds kinky, so fourth-wave feminism is all about being sex positive. I don't want to kink shame any nuns, is what I'm saying. Nothing unfeminist I mean, about that, I hope. I'm a goddess, you know. I mean, I'm, I'm like a salmon war goddess, and I think I could be a what, a Whatever you are in life, I tend to think you're the opposite in the bedroom. <laughs> I think that as I control this whole room. What, what I like is how the guilty feminist has sort of turned into Tinder. <laughs> if you're single, put your hand up now. Everyone look around quickly. Tinder Live, Tinder 3D. I'm a feminist, but... <laughs> the last time that the Guilty Feminist was on tour in New Zealand, uh, one of our wonderful guests uh, was talking about a vibrator 
and she brought a, an example of the product and gave it to Deb. But Deb already had one. Okay, all right. Okay. So it was gifted to me, and we were reminiscing about this in the dressing room backstage, and I said, yeah, I remember because my suitcase was packed very, very tightly, and I remember I had to do some real rearranging to fit it in. And I'm a feminist, but then I followed it up with, that's what she said. <laughs> and Cal suggested that she take it on as hand luggage. Which is fine if you're in business class lying down. There was a debate about that in the dressing room, I can tell you. But I feel I won. Are we ready to start the show? Then welcome, welcome, welcome to the Guilty Feminist in Christchurch in Atara. Am I saying that right? We are so happy to be back, Christchurch. We are thrilled to be here. And this musical sting is going on a little bit longer than my introduction. Hello, hello, hello. So this is the Guilty Feminist Podcast, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Just give us a cheer if you listen to the Guilty Feminist. Give us a cheer if you don't know what you're at. Okay, so it's a podcast and that's a radio that nobody stops you making. Uh, so this is all being recorded, including that woohoo that you just made. Okay, notice that that woohoo was less self-assured and feminist than the other woohoos of the people that listen regularly. That will be altered tonight. It's not a cult, lock the doors. Uh, it's so wonderful to be back. It was, it was a long, dark day of lockdown. Um, oh, sorry, I, I can, oh yes, you're up there. Okay, I've just checked. We, we played another venue and I didn't realize they'd sold the top. So we played it all to here. And it was only when we were sitting on the sofa at the end uh, that I leaned over and said to Steph Tisdale, there's people up there. And she went, yeah, no, I didn't see them either. So I just want to make you feel super welcome. And listen, we're very intersectional. So just because you're in the cheap seats doesn't mean you're going to get a, a less good show. Are they the cheap seats? Oh, okay. They're just the available seats. Okay, all right. So Christchurch, it's been truly wonderful. I've really, really had a good time coming back uh, to Australia and New Zealand. We've often been traveling on the same day we've been flying. Um, so Grace and I are at the point now where we're slightly hysterical and we're not censoring as much as usual. So if we say anything we shouldn't, just don't tweet it and then Tom will cut it out in the edit. Um, uh, same goes for you. If you say anything that you later regret, we can cut it out. And in that spirit, um, have you done anything feminist since we've been gone? We've been to a lot of cities now, and you were the first one to go, not really. Not that I can think of. I mean, you expected in Canberra, that is just as far as I can make out a city of school captains, all, all gone to the one place where they can make the rules and then keep them. But uh, even Brisbane went, yeah, we've done a few things. Uh, Christchurch, have you done anything feminist since I last saw you, which was two and a half years ago? Thank you, thank you. Uh, now, I want to hear about some of those things. What I would like to do is start with an act of feminism so meagre that everybody else goes, oh, I could do better than that. So it's, a, it's an act of feminism in itself because you're going to be encouraging your sisters and siblings here tonight to be like, yeah. I'm not as bad as I thought I was. 
You're giving everyone else a boost of confidence. So has anyone got a lowly act of feminism? Yes? Great. You switched your pad of bra for a non-pad of bra when coming here tonight. You put the pad of bra on and you thought, no, this is just a lie. I don't need to be pretending I've got breasts bigger than they are to other feminists. The ones I've got are fine. And you took it off and you just went, I'm coming. I mean, not completely as I am, obviously. I want scaffolding, but not such artificial scaffolding as to intimidate others. Um, is that, was that basically it? Well, listen, she really understood the assignment there of a meager act of feminism. That's exactly what we're looking for. That's exactly what we're looking for. Exactly, exactly it. Um, has anyone else thrown away an underwire or something post the lockdown? Gone, I don't need to be doing this. Can you see now, what's your name? Hannah. Hannah. So Hannah has started us off in such a great place, gang, because most of you I can see are just buzzing with confidence now going, I'm certainly better than Hannah. Listen, I may not be the greatest feminist in Aotearoa. Am I saying that correctly? Worked so hard on it. It was the people at the project, Jesse at the project spent hours teaching me to do it. And I just said it so many times that they were all like, oh, it's lost its meaning. Uh, so it, I find it hard. I, find, I don't think I've got a very good ear. So I'm saying, Arthur, hmm? Everyone says it differently. Ow. Alteroa. Alteroa. All right, it's not a game show. Alteroa. Ow. Like owl. Like owl. Ow. So, okay, break it down. You seem to know. I'm nominating you because ever otherwise, no, don't look behind you. You're a feminist. It's you. A man would never look behind him. A man would go, she's pointed at me. I'm stepping up to the plate. I'm amazed a man hasn't already taken me aside and given me some lessons. As that's what normally happens. Uh, so what is it? I'm not going to tell you I'm Australian. Oh. Oh. Wouldn't stop an Australian man. Australian man would be like, she's nominated me. I'm going to have a running jump at this. Uh, is someone... Uh, yes? Oh, okay. Don't, don't applaud her. She knows. Save that applause for when I get it right. It's like me saying London and everyone going, well done, that's good. That's a strong work. Strong work. Um, okay, say it again. Aotearoa. I feel that was probably too much. Uh, I feel, you know, I am a white colonizer. I just don't know if that was an appropriate response now. I feel like I needed an encouraging... Anyway, I've said it now. Maybe I won't say it again, because then I'll get it wrong. Um, anybody else? Anybody else got an act of lowly feminism? You left the bra at home altogether. Well done. Well done. Uh, and how are you feeling? Are you feeling free? Always. How, when, when did you leave the bra at home first? It sounds like a way of life now to you. It sounds like you're giving advice to younger women. That's what it sounds to me. Uh, Any time you're um, in the great nature. 
this is a theater. <laughs> that sounds like you're a naturist, like you go bushwalking with nothing on. And I, if so, I really approve. Um, so if you're in nature especially, you go free. But tonight, where are you? I keep thinking you're up there, are you here? Oh, you are up there. <laughs> Do you have to say that a lot when you're not wearing a bra? Um, sorry, what's your name? Val. 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 Do you, you, so you don't wear a bra a lot, or just sometimes? You wear it to work, but you're having a night off for feminism. So you, did you pop home, whip it off? You just didn't put it on at all. You were home. Okay. Um, well, listen, I'm delighted. Um, I, might, I feel like I should probably take mine off in solidarity. I'll tell you what, I'll do it just not, as to not waste your time. I'll do it in the wings, because it takes a little while when you're wearing a cape. That's right, I'm in a cape. I wanted you to feel you had your money's worth. Also, you know, not all superheroes wear capes, but a lot of us do. Anybody else? Anyone else got... Uh, yes? No, no, don't be sorry. Again, don't be sorry. Amanda wouldn't say sorry. You were, you were exactly the one we were talking to. Okay. Go on. Um, I decided to have surgery and lose 59 kilos. You decided to have surgery? You're running for ECAN. What's ECAN? Oh, you're running. Oh, you're running for. Oh, you're a candidate. Oh, I thought you meant like a like a sort of marathon where you're running for a company. I see. Well, I'm so happy, and I feel like in contemporary feminism, um, I always want to be careful about you know everybody having the body of, that they have and being happy in the body they have. And I also want to say, if you feel unhealthy and you want to change in your body in any direction, any shape or form, that is completely in your gift, and no one should make you feel like you shouldn't do that either. And I'm so thrilled that you are now running for ECAN. What is ECAN? What is ECAN? It's local government. So you're, you're running for a place in local government so you can have a say in what goes on in the community. So there's fresh water at risk <laughs> locally and you're running for ECAN to fix that. That's absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for doing that. Thank you so much for doing that. Now, we've taken quite a leap from not wearing a bra to running for local government so as to make sure there's fresh water. Can, is, has anyone got anything higher, lower, or the same as that? What, what's yours? I complain to my supermarket about the gendered language. You complain to your supermarket about gendered language? 
What was the gendered language? The handyman department. The handyman can't. Not without the handy woman slash handy person. So it's the handy person department. They changed it to electrical. They changed it just to electrical. The whole thing, they're like, no people involved. We're gonna upset somebody. Just say electricity. To be honest, the handyman after me too. There's just unpleasant connotations there anyway. I just don't like it. I just don't like it. I think we're way past handyman in every sense of that word. In every nuance of that word. Well, I'm so thrilled. So you got that changed. Yeah, you, so your local supermarket, you walked in, you saw the handyman department, you thought, I'm not a man and I want to buy something there. Did you want to buy something there or you were just... They were rev they're going to review the whole country because of you. So we've got someone running for local government. We've got somebody who's changed the gendered language across the whole of Aotearoa. Um, uh, this is incredible. Christchurch, you're really coming out with it now. Um, I sometimes do feel with an average guilty feminist audience, we could just lock the doors and solve all the problems of the world. But like, there's just so many extraordinary people. I have discovered that pretty much everyone in my audience either works in some form of feminist role within government or a charitable organisation or some kind of foundation, um, or they work in literacy, or they're writing a dissertation on Virginia Woolf. <laughs> just give me a cheer if you are one of the people who has some, some role in something that's feminism or social action within government or in some kind of foundation. Just give us a cheer if you work in literacy or something with language. That includes teachers. Just give me a cheer if you're doing a thesis on Virginia Woolf. Thank you. There's, there's, there's always one. There is always one. Sometimes this audience, there's two. What's your thesis on? Oh. You just thought you'd just be, but that's just an act of feminism to support me, to make me look good. Is someone else doing a thesis in some way or in shape or form that's feminist? Yes, what are you doing? A woman who sailed from France in 1887 uh, to New Zealand. She was your great great aunt. Oh wow, that's extraordinary. From the Channel Islands, and she sailed on her own in Victorian times. She sailed with a group of women. Okay, um, where are you? She's the same person that's running for local government to make sure there's fresh water. I just wondered if you would come out to the microphone and tell us about her. Genevieve Robinson. Big round of applause for Genevieve Robinson. Um, can I just ask, is there anyone with anything they need help with? Okay, anything they need help with. So is anyone doing anything feminist in the local area and you think, oh, I'd really love to get followers or volunteers or money. Anyone need anything like that? Yes, great. So could you just come out to the microphone? No, it's good because then you can tell everyone and then other people in 
Altaroa. Not quite as good as it. Altaroa. Altaroa. I didn't get a round of applause for that one. How can it be getting worse? Okay, so um, what's your name? Jeannie. So, Jeannie, what do you need help with? Um, I need people to follow my podcast that I'm trying to get made. No, we can't have that. I'm sorry, that's... <laughs> it needs to be clearly not a podcast. No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Tell me about it. It's a it. different demographic. What kind of demographic? How different could it be, though, Jeannie? Because well, <laughs> you're here. <laughs> it's for teenagers, uh, New Zealand teenagers. Um, no, it's, I, I mean, I'm thr- so thrilled and delighted that you were inspired by the Guilty Feminist to start a podcast. So, say was, that you were, actually. say that you were, say that. I was. Wait, oh, stop it. Um, <laughs> no, Jeannie, seriously, tell us about your podcast. Um, basically, it's a sex education podcast. It's conversations about sex and life and love for teenagers by adults. So we're having conversations that are um, between different people, um, diverse people in New Zealand. That's the idea. Okay. Um, and what is the podcast called? It's called The Frankly Podcast. The Frankly Podcast. Um, and can they listen to it wherever they get their podcasts? They can. There's only one up at the moment. I okay. have uh, recorded a bunch of them. Um, I've gotten some really interesting people, but um, I got very sick. So oh, no. We had to, okay. we've had right. to so, stall a little. But okay. there's one up there. Uh, there's one up. And do you have an editor? Well, I have someone who said they might do it, and then okay. they got sick with They got COVID. sick too. Okay, they've got COVID. So do you need anything? Do you need an editor? Do you need other guests? If anyone wants to do video editing, that'd be amazing. It is definitely not in my wheelhouse. Oh, I'm so vid- is it vid- video? So is it, it's, it's a podcast. Both. Oh, it's podcast. It's a podcast and a video. Yeah, so I did a bunch of research and found out that teenagers would prefer it to be on YouTube as well. Oh, which God, is it. <laughs> because they've got to be able to look at everything. Yeah, and I wasn't that keen because I'm the host, and I wasn't expecting that to no. be part of the whole thing. No, there's a reason I do podcasting. I yeah. just, you know, it's when easy. I come out and do these big live shows, I, you know, it's taken me ages to get these eyelashes on. Yeah, I have. I've been putting makeup on, which I don't yeah, no. do a lot yeah. of. Have you got a bra on currently? Yes, today. You have gone on one today. Have do you always put one on for the podcast? No, obviously not. There wouldn't be that long pause. <laughs> I uh, this show's so. always been a live show, but in the pandemic, obviously it couldn't be, and then it's hard to, it was on Zoom, and I found it really hard. And I sometimes would do it in a bathrobe and nothing else, because I was depressed. So I'd be on there going, hi, welcome, blah, blah, blah. But I think you can hear I haven't got a bra on. <laughs> in some of, the, some of those early lockdown episodes, I got used to it, but... I had a similar experience because I started it doing it in person. That was the idea was to kind of have a conversation with someone in person because I feel like it, I don't know, it translates better. Yes. Uh, and then I ended up having to kind of do Zoom. But it did mean that I got to talk to people like Chloe Swarbrick, which is really great. I don't know who that is, but should I? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, well, look, tell... She's a politician. Oh, okay. She's and she came on and talked about sex? Oh, Yes. It's a little hard to get everyone to talk about their own experiences, but we definitely talked about um, sex and kind of mental health, actually. With kind of, yeah. So you're talking about sex for teenagers? It's not just sex, but sex is a good word to get us out there. <laughs> so this podcast is called Sex Cells, but it's just about random stuff. 
there's the odd thing about sex in there. Sex but and life and Sex and life. And just different yeah, okay. experiences. So sex, life, mental health, often akin. Um, and so you're, so that's what you just, could you just say what it's called again? The Frankly Podcast. The Frankly Podcast, because people here need to hear it a few times. It's the Frankly Frank- Podcast, and your name is? Jenny McCallum. Jenny McCallum. So the Frankly Podcast with Jenny McCallum. Give it a listen, give it a subscribe. Um, and if anyone would like to edit it, where do they, where do they contact you? How do they contact you, Jenny McCallum? Oh, just go to the Frankly Podcast, oh, franklypodcast.co.nz. Okay, so maybe go to the website and uh, get in touch if you'd like to get involved. It sounds like a really good thing to be part of. Um, And if anything else you need, um, let us know and we can pop it in the show notes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jenny. There are always people... Thank you so much. There are always people doing incredible things uh, in your local community that you can get involved in, that you can help, that you can share. Um, Do we have any, any straight, white, cisgendered men in? Just give us a cheer. They're always so happy about it. I was like, yay! Like, why, why do men always answer like they're on a stag night? No matter what they do, it's like, way, lads, 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 forever. Um, but I just, I'm so thrilled you're here, though. What's your name? The man who went, way. Uh, Andrew. Andrew. Oh, he's posher than I thought. Um, <laughs> Andrew, do you listen to the podcast? I do. Do you enjoy it? Great, thank you. Uh, was it your idea to come out tonight? Yes, it was. <laughs> Definitely wasn't. <laughs> Who are you here with, Andrew? <laughs> this is Rushy. Oh, you're introducing somebody. Oh, is this your partner? Yes, partner. Your partner, and your partner's called Rushy? Rashi, your partner's called Rashi, and she just reminded you it was your idea to come. And then you went, oh my God, yes. It was my idea to come. Um, and by the way, I don't mean to assume everyone's here with someone. I should have said, are you here with anyone? Um, what do you do, Andrew? Uh, I'm a social work academic. A social work academic. So you're in, the, you're in the first group of my audience members. I was hoping you were going to say something like, I'm a banker, because I was going to make you fund Jenny's podcast. <laughs> Or find another way that you could devote yourself to feminism, Andrew, um, through your great richness. Um, But it turns out you're in social services, and I can't do anything with that, Andrew. (laughs) You fucked me, Andrew. You're doing good out there in the world, but you've brought nothing to me tonight, Andrew. You've come here with your good works and your feminist ways. I've had a lot of this lately with men in the audience. I've had a lot of this. I don't know... It's possible that the guilty feminist has... Have we solved the patriarchy? Because it's like every man that comes is like, I work with disabled children. Actually, I've got a project that you could help with. Are there any men here with jobs that we can't admire? Shout out if you're a straight man. Yep. Yep. What's your job, sir? Uh, I'm a <laughs> right, we've taken a leap. Okay, nobody move. <laughs> What's your name, sir? Cameron. Cameron. Cameron, and you're a soldier. Currently injured, so don't hurt him. <laughs> um, uh, so, Cameron, do you, is there a... Because this happened to in Wellington, and there was a barracks nearby. Um, why, what was that? that was 
There was a barracks in Wellington, and it was actually a transmasculine uh, soldier, and it was a really interesting conversation. Uh, Cameron, are you going to similarly tell me a story? Oh, because they heard it on the show, or they were at the show. They heard it on the show, and they said, you should go, they love soldiers. <laughs> and you've never heard the show and didn't know what it was, but you knew that you would be included if you were a soldier, and here you are tonight. Or is it possible that that soldier spread to the podcast? Because what he said he was going to do was like put the podcast on... Oh, he said he, no, he said he did. He used to put it on loudly in the barracks so other people would have to hear. So the soldier, he was trying to get them one soldier at a time <laughs> and told us he'd never been in a war zone or anything and uh, have you heard the podcast through the, the now enormous uh, sort of movement of guilty feminists within the New Zealand army because of that soldier is that what's happened Cameron oh so what, what's happened oh well Cameron that's wonderful, and please don't kill anyone. Okay. <laughs> it's been a very interesting experience touring the UK and then Australia. This is our, this is our first night in New Zealand, so you're our first, our first metric for success. I did Radio New Zealand here. Is it, that's what it's called? New Zealand Radio New Zealand? With, with Jesse, in fact, who I did the project with. I guess I'm just asking you outright, if you would like it to be like a 3 p.m. kind of tea time show on Radio New Zealand where you're listening with a cup of tea and you're thinking, oh, that's a good point. And sometimes you're giving a little bit of a wry smile and a nod and thinking... <laughs> then you're going to clap when it's here, OK? If you want it to be more like a drunken night out where you're like, fuck the patriarchy, yeah! Fuck the patriarchy and fuck all its friends! Um, then you're going to clap when it's here. If you would like it to be more like um, a sort of... a revolution of such scale that were the patriarchy in the room, it would fear for its life then lose its life and we would all dance around the campfire <laughs> shouting, burn patriarchy, burn. Teetering on an orgy. No, that's important because Gloria Steinem said, um, if you want to have uh, fun and sex and dancing and love after the revolution, you've got to have those things during the revolution. If you would like it to be a revolution teetering on an orgy, then clap when it's here. Okay, ready? Uh, Radio News in at three o'clock in the afternoon. Clap now. Oh, there's some people who are going, yeah, that's what I've come for. I, I... There was nothing on the website about an orgy. <laughs> very much voting for that. I love Rice smiling and nodding. No, that's... I just want to hear some good points and go home in one piece. Um, okay, so three o'clock in the afternoon, Radio New Zealand. And then more like, fuck the patriarch in the pub! <laughs> Revolution teacher! let you know that I'm from Christchurch and so this is my hometown and because I've said that I have to follow that up with I went to Burnside High um, and because it's Christchurch I know Cam the soldier so it's, um, it's, it's, oh, it's so lovely to be back I, I've been living in Melbourne for 20 years um, I think my sentence is nearly over so um, 
I hope they don't play that in Australia. I'll get in terrible trouble. Uh, but it's so lovely coming home. It's so nice to be back in the town hall because I've been here before, but I haven't been here before. In that weird way that they've just built the thing that used to be here back again. So it's kind of like we're in the ghost of the town hall or something. It's kind of... I, I said to my friend, we're going to the town hall. We, we used to... What do, you, what do you think of? And he goes, Cantermaths. <laughs> and I was like, shit, yeah. And mine was the Northwest Choir Festival. We would all sit. <laughs> that's all I've got to say. That's it. That's... That's sort of, it's, so, it's so lovely to be back in front of an audience. So, so I live in Melbourne and we had the longest lockdown of everybody. Like we just, it, it was so bizarre. It's, it's so, I've just been so excited to see people's faces but also their feet. Uh, because I've just spent so long doing gigs on Zoom that I'm just like, oh, shoulders, legs, calves, footwear. Like I'm just so excited. Did you have to deal with Zoom? Did you have to get on Zoom and do stuff? So, it was so, how weird is it, though, that before March 2020, the only people using Zoom were Mazda? <laughs> and now, if you hear Zoom, 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 you're like, oh, that's a long day's work. <laughs> it's, so, this, it's, it's, such, it's so not the natural environment of a comedian to be doing gigs on Zoom. The first one that I had to do on Zoom, it was just when we'd all started to kind of learn how to do things on Zoom, and I had to do a gig for 80 lawyers spread across Asia. And so for a start, I was like, I don't know if we've had the same lockdown experience. I don't know if Shanghai got into banana bread. Like, I don't know. I don't know if Taiwan was all about swapping sourdough recipes. I just didn't know whether we'd, we'd connect on any level. And because it was my first go on Zoom, I didn't know about gallery view. And so I was just stuck looking at one boardroom table. And there were six people socially distancing around that boardroom table. They were on mute and they were all wearing masks. It could only have felt worse if I'd forgotten to put a top on. Like, it was just, there was just no way to get any feedback whatsoever from them. At one point, a woman did this. And I went, well, she's choked or she's laughing, and either way, there's nothing I can do. There's nothing, nothing I can do. And then at the end of the gig, I just had to lie my iPad down on the desk because I didn't know how to turn it off. everyone in this weird time of disconnection but there's also been these beautiful moments of connection and and like at the start of our first Easter in the pandemic what a sentence to say in the in the first Easter pandemic when when Melbourne was just shut right down we have a neighbor who's a photographer and he had a drone that he used to use for his photography and so on Easter Sunday his wife tied little Easter eggs to his drone and he flew them into our gardens like highly illegal but so adorable just so beautiful. And then there's been these weird little positive sides. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I quite like wearing a mask. I quite like wearing a mask because as I've got older, I've become more and more passive-aggressive. <laughs> and wearing a mask, my muttering quotient's gone up by 700%. <laughs> I just, I love it. I love that when you're wearing a mask, you can be openly hostile to someone <laughs> and get away with it. It's brilliant. I love it. I just love it. Walking into a supermarket, and I'd be like, "That's not 1.5 meters." <laughs> and then, as long as you make your eyes look surprised afterwards, <laughs> you pretend it wasn't you. Sometimes I'd change my voice. Oh, I don't know who said that. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. 
I'm loving being back in Christchurch. I came, uh, I came over a couple of weeks ago with my son. We, we haven't been here for um, two and a half years. And, and I, I did this great thing with him. I took him to Willow Bank. I took him to Willow Bank Wildlife Reserve. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, Willow Bank is this fantastic... Uh, it's this... It says wildlife, but what it is is farm animals and then some weird ones. Isn't it? Because now what Willow Bank is, it's a wonderful array of farm animals and then there are native New Zealand birds, fuck off massive eels. Basically like, like the fire department's gone, we don't need these hoses anymore and that's what Willow Bank has got. And then there's just some lemurs. Alpacas, yeah, that's farmish, but then Lemmy's like, no, I don't, how do you make wool from that? Like, just, the, we, when I was a kid, when we went to Willowbank when I was a child, I have two main memories of Willowbank as a child in the 70s. The first one was that there were a lot of Canadian geese at Willowbank, and my older brothers liked to torment the Canadian geese by showing them the food and then taking the food away. Showing the goose the food, taking the food away. And I don't know if you know about geese, uh, but they are the assholes of the bird world. <laughs> And I remember it was about three or four, and my brothers had been showing the goose the food and taking the food away, and finally this Canadian juice just went, oh, fuck this, and it turned around and it bit a woman. <laughs> not, 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 nothing to do with us. She's just walking past, and the goose was like, Ugh, and just bit her on the ass, and then she ran off screaming, and the goose chased her. <laughs> honking and biting and honking and biting and honking and biting, and I was convinced that we would be arrested. I was convinced... <laughs> That was my first fear. My second fear was we would go back to Willowbank and the goose would recognise us. <laughs> so that's one of my core memories of Willowbank. But my other big memory of Willowbank was that Willowbank in the 70s had farm animals, monkeys and a mountain lion. I don't know if anyone else is probably not old enough to remember this, but I remember this. And what I remember most of all, that in true Kiwi it'll be fine fashion, the monkey's cage was right next to the lion's cage. And in my memory, there's no gap. They're sharing a wall. Like, it's a semi-detached, it's two townhouses, but they're, they're cages for animals. And one of the monkeys only had one arm because the mountain lion had bitten it off. Now, to be fair, to be fair, if I was in a car and someone put a kebab through my window, I'd probably eat it. So I don't blame the mountain lion, right? And the monkey's put his arm through, it's been bitten off. I reckon that probably the zookeeper the next morning will be like, oh, well, he won't do that again. <laughs> I suppose he could do it one more time. <laughs> so there was a really vivid memory of mine about Willowbank as a child. I mentioned it to my older brothers a couple of years ago at Christmas time. I went, do you remember the one-armed monkey at Willowbank? And they went, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, there was a one-armed monkey, monkey at Willowbank. No, it's not. I mean, there was a mountain lion. There was a cage next to it. The monkey only had one arm, though. Like, this is total bullshit. And so I emailed Willowbank. <laughs> I emailed them, and I said, Dear Willowbank, this may be a weird question, but in the 1970s, did you have a monkey that only had one arm because the mountain lion had bitten it off? And I got a one-sentence reply. And that reply was, Oh, yes, dear old Sundance. the new Brighton Mini Zoo? Yeah. A thing of horror, a thing of horror. We only went once, and I, now as an adult, I, I know why, because my mum would have gone, Jesus fucking Christ, this is insane. Like, just, 
like inhumane like they had a crocodile that was longer than its enclosure right and there were and, and like it was it was, seemed to be full of circus animals that had been dumped and then the guy just looked after them I found a Facebook page remembering it was called something like remembering the new Brighton mini zoo and every single post was do you remember when the chimp got out and sat on the roof of the house next door do you remember when the lion escaped like all this or it'd be like I remember the otters they bit me or uh <laughs> I remember the monkey. It bit me. It just, just a, <laughs> There's nowhere to go with that. I'm just glad that I didn't make that one up either. I'm just <laughs> excited that you know that exists. So I took my son to Willowbank the other day and it was great because it was raining and it was great and no one else was there. And he's a little Australian kid and he was just really excited that he could walk through the grass and not worry about anything killing him. And what was so great for me was watching him just be blown away by every animal. The kiwi were out. It was like, it was like they'd heard that TripAdvisor was coming. And so all of the animals were like, okay, put your best thing on. And so the kiwis were out like looking, yes, we look like bagpipes, but we're doing our best. Like just, just, just and making little kiwi noises and, and the eels came out and, and we terrified them. And it was really great. And then we went into the aviary that's got the kia in it. And the kia sat on my son's head. And Digby lost his mind. And then the Kia sat on my head and bit a hole through my puffer jacket. <laughs> and I was like, I feel like I'm at home. I'm at home. I'm at home. And the best thing about it was we had to get a keeper eventually to come and scrape the Kia off me because it just was like not interested in leaving. And I was having the time of my life. I was like, oh my God, this is so gorgeous. And then as the, the keeper came and got the Kia, she went, his name is Megatron. Like Sundance and Megatron, like that is a that is a buddy movie I would watch. Like I would love, I would love to see that. Uh, I, I have nowhere else to go with that. I'm just so excited to be talking about Willowbank. <laughs> um, I, uh, I thank you so much for having us. We are so thrilled and excited to be back here. Uh, I, I don't know if you can tell, but my glasses are steaming up, and I'm not even wearing a mask. Uh, so that is very exciting. Thanks for having us, Christchurch. I'm going to hand you back over to Deborah Francis White. Carl Wilson, everybody. Isn't she a legend? You grew her here. But then she moved to Melbourne, never forget that. Um, no, she, com she comes back all the time. Does it, did anyone go to school with Cal or know her in a former life? Yes. Who? Cameron's mother. Who? Cameron the soldier's mother. Cameron, you didn't tell us that. Are you family friends? Hold on a minute. You went to school with someone who's given birth to a soldier. You're not old enough. She started when she was 16. Oh, this has taken because a turn, I'm Cameron, only, hasn't it? I'm only 36. Yeah, okay, I, I was see. somehow alive in the 70s. <laughs> I've been going to Willowbank for 50 years. <laughs> Cameron, are you family friends with Carl Wilson? I would have led with that. <laughs> but the thing is, he's been told to obey orders, hasn't he? I asked for name, rank and serial number and he gave it to me. He's not giving family connections. The superior officers say, did I ask? What rank are you? An officer cadet. That means you're lowly but posh. Because you're a cadet, so you're young, but you're an officer because they've looked at you and gone, yeah, he's been to university. That's how the army works, I think, isn't it? Is that right? That's too compliant. I feel like, what are you going to do in a battle situation? Go, not really, but yeah, sure. 
No. Now, now, as um, as his <laughs> mother's friend, because this is what mother's friends do, Cameron's also a musician, and he plays the tuba, and he's very talented. <laughs> This is so surreal, what's happening right now, Cal. <laughs> I've been on tour for so long now. This feels like there's no difference between on stage and off for me at all. And this feels really like we're standing at a bar and you're going, he also, he plays the tuba. Do you yes. play the tuba in the army? No, Okay. Oh, I, th- I thought it was up there, but he's there. He's no. He's not could... as tall as I remember. <laughs> you could, that's something you could do, though. They, they, have, they have brass bands. Yeah, you could put the yourself forward. They've asked him, Deborah. They've asked him. They've asked him. <laughs> Shall we just sit down and do the? <laughs> it's, it's so. What I what I loved before was when you were asking about Ecan before. You sounded like an interested aunt who just couldn't get their head around what the children were saying. <laughs> and what is Ecan? I mean, I sounded like my mum. Ecan, you say? Ecan. Does it stand for something? It's it's like cans, but digital. It's Ecan. Oh, it's not, is it? No. Shh, you know nothing. Cal's from Melbourne. (laughs) She doesn't know your New Zealand ways anymore. That's not true. She comes back all the time. But look, honestly, look at those trousers and tell me they weren't bought in Melbourne. They were... They are hipster Melbourne trousers. They're black, they're pinstriped. Well, what they are is very, very good for shoplifting. We'll get into that later. I'm going to ask you on the sofa in the second half, have you ever shoplifted? And you're going to need to answer me absolutely truthfully. Only in these trousers. (laughs) Our next guest is a Samoan internationally acclaimed poet, writer, and performer. She has published four collections of poetry and four children's books. Her play, Wild Dogs Under My Skirt, showed off-Broadway in 2020, where it took out the Fringe Encore Outstanding Production of the Year. As in New York, New York. Most recently, she was awarded a... Most recently, it's a podcast, so I can do it again. There's no need to push on. This is why you come live. You see all all the bloopers. You think, oh, my God, we wouldn't be hearing this at home. I wish I'd stayed at home. Uh, (laughs) Most recently, she was awarded awarded a member. That's quite quite a tricky... What are you saying? Are are you heckling a member? (laughs) The, the, The sentence goes on. It's not rude. Most recently, she was awarded a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit... For services to poetry and the arts, her most recent book, The Savage Colonizer Book, won the 2021 award for Best Book of Poetry at the Ockham New Zealand Book Awards. She is currently obsessed with screenwriting after her first short film made it to the silver screen last year. Please welcome to the stage with your revolutionary, orgiastic, best applause, the incredible Tusiata Avia. <laughs> I'm going to give these to my handyman. (laughs) I asked him to carry me on. He wouldn't go for it. 
Um, I'm just going to do, I feel like I should be singing folk songs, but no, two poems for you, both about men, yay. Um, this one is a poem about Gauguin. Who likes Gauguin? Mm, a few titters <clears throat> for Gauguin. I am an untamed wolf, a savage, a martyr. I need an unmapped archipelago. I need an island, eroticism without sin. I am a rich boy with a horde of Peruvian nannies. I need unbridled sex. Never mind about my wife and kids in Copenhagen. Let them fend for themselves. I need painterly perspective I need to fuck the canvas. Brittany, Pontavant, France, those Breton girls in their headscarves rip their bodices off when their mothers aren't watching. My artistic thumbprints on their Breton maidens' pussies. I am the yellow Christ. The maidens sit at my feet. I will have your 14-year-old sister for myself. Fuck her on the rocky coast till I am bored and restless for Tahiti. Ah, Tahiti. I want only to give myself up to the sweet enchantments of Oceania. I want only to hunt the virgin forests with my loaded Winchester. I will find authentic savage pussy. I will live free as an animal, tranquil and free. I will strip these girls out of their mother hubbards. I will make them sit in authentic poses, strip them and make them my virgins, hold their own little titties like a bowl of mangoes, my silent creatures, my seductive creatures, my primitive Eve, my nymph with an intense animal odour, my beloved child wife, madly in love with me, ah, Tehamana, she is a ripe mango, a fecund flower, docile in love, she is 13, 14, 15, 16, no more than 17. I will fuck the sea and all the fishes. I will alchemize a perfect world. Look at all my colors, ripped hymen red, innocent orange, baby blue, virgin viridian, penetration pink. I dreamt last night of my monkey mistress, Javanese Hannah, how big you are now. Sure of the terrain and myself, I attacked her with a cane. Then I returned to Tahiti forever. I am not a pedophile. I rebel violently. Thirteen as a woman. I have never fucked a 12-year-old. They are my spiritual vehicle. They will fix my rotting legs, my sores, this paralysis has become a hell. Bring me a bottle of arsenic, Marquesas Island. Ah, syphilis, extreme assault of paradise. 
I defended these Polynesians. I fought for them. I was the first nationalist in the whole of Polynesia. I am a citizen of utopia. Maison du jour, the house of pleasure. Thanks, Gogan, for all your work, <laughs> all your mangoes, and all your girls from Tahiti. Take them down when you get home. <laughs> um, interestingly, I just remembered that it was, it's kind of a, a found poem. Most of what is in there he wrote himself. Thanks, Gogan. And from one of my favourite men to another, um, I wrote a, a few years ago, I think maybe three, we celebrated the 250 years since James Cook arrived here in Aotearoa. Um, of course, you may know that he was killed in Hawaii. So, yeah, thanks, cousins. Thanks for that. Um, so I've, you'll hear some, a list of Hawaiian names, uh, which were my cousins who dispatched him. So, in celebration and remembrance of the 250th anniversary of James Cook's arrival in New Zealand. Hey, James. Yeah, you, in the white wig and that big endeavour. <laughs> Sailing the blue, blue ocean like a big asshole. <laughs> Fuck you, bitch. <laughs> James. I heard someone shoved a knife right up into the gap between your white ribs at Kealakekua Bay. I'm gonna go there. <laughs> Make a big makahiki luau, cook a white pig, feed it to the dogs, and fuck you up. Bitch. <laughs> hey, James. It's us. These days, we're driving around in SUVs, looking for you. Or white men like you, who might be thieves, or rapists, or kidnappers, or murderers, yeah, or any of your descendants, or any of your incarnations, because you know, hey, bitch, we're gonna fuck you up. Tonight, James, it's me, Leilani, and a car full of brown girls. We find you on the corner of the Justice Precinct. You've got another woman and a headlock 
and I've got my father's pig hunting knife in my fist and we're coming to get you sailing around in your resolution your friendship your discovery and your fucking free love Watch your ribs, James, because I'm coming with Kalaniopu, Kanekapulei, Kanaina, Keaweapala, Kula Ili Moku, who was a god, and Nuwa'a, who was king with a knife. And then, James, then we're gonna fuck. You are for good, bitch. Tissy Artavia! Isn't she amazing? Tissy I'm so sorry. I just need to know before you go. Um, where can we see more of you? Um, you can buy my book. Great. And your book is called The Savage Colonizer Book. Is. And is there anywhere else we can see you perform? Um, where am I next performing? Uh, Oamaru. <laughs> if you're into Janet Frame, I'll be doing that. Great. Okay. And uh, is there anything else you need from us or any way we can support or help you? Another trip to New York. Okay, we'll have a whip round. Um, that would be great. Do you need, uh, is there anything you're doing that you need support or funding for? Oh, God. Um, nah, I'm good. To see how to sort it, uh, just please buy her book. The way you can support a writer best is by buying the Savage Colonizer book. Um, and where, yeah, they can get that at all good bookshops. And maybe some stink bookshops as well. At some, and some ordinary average bookshops. That was absolutely extraordinary. And I hope you'll come and join us at the Guilty Feminist again. Thank you. To Avia, everybody. So that was the first half. Join us for part two, which should be in your feed right now.